The following podcast, though presented by Tamed Idiots, is intended for mature audiences. The opinions presented in this podcast are not intended to sway anyone's opinions, as the people presenting them are kind of dumb. The topics that are presented and the opinions that are expressed are intended for entertainment purposes and should be considered satire. Some of these stories may be exaggerated. It's up to you to determine which ones. Though we are not professionals, we have a combined total of 240 years of being stupid. Please, do not try this at home. And please proceed with caution. Welcome to the Absurdly Average Podcast. My name is Akil, and you're joining myself and the merry band of morons um, here talking about, well, whatever the fuck we're talking about. And today, it's going to be all things tabletop, RPG, board games, all that kind of shit. Joining me today is going to be Alan, otherwise known as Fatballs, Tony, otherwise known as Tony, uh, Coates here, otherwise known as Mike, and Megan, otherwise known as Taylor. So we're going to be here talking all things about, you know, tabletop, the different games we've played, experiences we've had. Uh, probably the things we've done to potentially break DMs. Uh, also, for some of us, the colossal stupid amount of money that we've spent on games such as Warhammer and everything in between. So right now, we're just going to jump into it uh, and just we're going to start off with some board games. Um, now, this can be anything from Risk, Life, I mean, fucking Monopoly, whatever. Like, we just want to start talking simply with board games, what board games we've enjoyed playing. Um, and it doesn't have to be the hyper nerdy ones either, but like, what are some memories you have with a board game, either with friends or family that you're just like, you know what? I do miss playing this game. So let's start with you, Alan. Okay. Well, one thing that, that I've been sitting on, I've had it holstered for most of the day now is a completely separate thing, but I had this amazing thought. And you know how if a waterbender gets strong enough, they can bloodbend, right? Well, okay. there, yeah. Yeah. So there's an awful lot of water in your poop. Um, <laughs> I'll let your brain fill in the implications yourself, but why didn't we get that episode? I feel like that almost traverses into uh, earthbending, too. <laughs> yeah, a Like, bit, not like, just waterbending. You got a couple of really powerful waterbenders staring down an entire army, and the whole army shits their pants at once against their will. Like, why didn't we get that? Yeah, I mean, that or, like, you could have the uh, the earthbenders, like, as the Fire Nation is moving forward, you have the earthbenders basically, like, calcify the, uh, the <laughs> shit, and they're, that's it. That's it. They're just done. They're out of commission. Like, yeah, I mean... Fuck it. It's like the South Park Brown Note episode, but done tastefully. I don't know if there's a tasteful way to deal with that topic overall, period. I don't know Just why saying. you want to do it but, uh, tastefully. I mean, look, all I is... I guess all is welcome in love and war? <laughs> I, question mark? I, I have no idea. We're already derailed as soon as we started. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've been sitting on that all day waiting, but no, like, you know, with the, 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 the tabletop gaming and the board games and things like... Um, when I was growing up, um, we had a lot of your more standard issue board games. There'd be like Monopoly, Risk, Clue, stuff like that. Um, you know, and like we we wind up with like 18, 20 hour long games of Risk. And basically I learned quickly, you can have the most fun in the game just by taking over Australia, letting all your troops build and build and build. And then you just wait to see as people debate who wants to risk getting completely taken out trying to get you off that corner of the board. Yeah, you know, yeah, I love that's risk for that risk was risk was really, really good with that. Um, 
I do say I miss playing Life as well. Like, Life was fucking fun. For some stupid reason. That was fun, but I never had access to a copy very often. Oh, that's fair. I will also say, like, uh, Risk, um, they have a couple of different editions. And there's the, uh, there's Risk, I think it's like 2032 or 2042, um, where it becomes futuristic and defeats the uh, Australia stat. Yeah. And this is why, because it comes with the moon and everything, so I have it pulled up on stream. Um, oh, and I forgot to throw this disclaimer out here, by the way, for those of you who are listening to the podcast. Um, you're going to be hearing me talk to uh, stream, and that's because we're talking about everything live as we're recording on Twitch. If you want to join in and be part of the conversation, you're more than welcome to. And we record every Wednesday from uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please come and join us. But yeah, uh, Risk 2210 AD, that's the one. So this is what the what that board looks like. And it allows you to not deal with the bullshit Australia strat that original Risk uh, players no. kind of exploited. So, yeah. I, I never won. It's just I always got to make sure somebody had to make the hard decision of going down with me because they were not coming out alive. Neither was I. See, you play that game the way that Julian plays Smash Up with me, and I'll uh, when we cover Smash Up, I'll uh, I'll explain a little more about that. But and yeah, like players like you are the reason why I don't get to win, or <laughs> even if I do get to win, I don't get to enjoy it. Like it's uh, um, uh, Oliver did say running around life with an extra car or kids was the bomb. Yeah, yeah I've done uh, that. Yep. The- the, the last thing I'm going to mention is Mousetrap. You didn't have a complete childhood unless you Dude, that fucking I fucking love that game. And, and then was, you lost one piece and you couldn't play it ever again. No, you got it all built right and you set the thing off and it got like two-thirds of the way through and just fucking stopped. Oh, yeah, like the, the fucking basket would just like stop. Yeah, it just wouldn't go yeah. anywhere. That is also true. It was a good game, though. Like, those kinds of games, and I mean, like, honestly, if you're talking about a uh, a social interaction board game... Clue, I think, was one of the first, like, board games for the mass people. Because, I mean, D&D and shit was out back then, too. But it wasn't nearly as mainstream. No, so, Clue's like, been, Clue's really been around mainstream. a lot longer than D&D, my friend. No, no, no. And I'm not saying it hasn't been. I'm just saying, like, as far as a good social, um, the what do you call it? Like, social deception. experience, you know? Yeah. Um, like, you know, nowadays, a lot of RPGs require a lot of that, but back then clue was like the, the mainstream version of it. Like, no, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about with this letter opener. Mm-mm, it's in the library. Like it's, it's, it, it's classic, I think. And I do miss playing clue as well. Um, what about, uh, you, Tony, did you ever play any, uh, tabletop games or anything like that growing up? Uh, I played like your pretty standard ones. Uh, I didn't really play a whole lot of board games because I didn't really have a whole lot of friends or family that were willing to play. So that was like a big chunk of my childhood that I really missed out on. What about uh, overall, like the ones you have played? Uh, I've played like Clue and fucking uh, Mousetrap, <laughs> Snakes and Ladders Dog, some Candyland. Yep. Uh, Dude, Candyland. Candy Land. Yes. Fuck yeah. Um, but other Land. than that, like, I don't know. I, I have played Secret Hitler, and I did absolutely enjoy the fuck out of that. 
yeah, yeah, there are copies up here that we've got um, that if we get people together, we'll play Secret Hitler too. And that's actually one of the games that I'm going to cover later on in the uh, podcast. Yeah. Is Secret so Hitler we're, as well. uh, I, I've got stories about Do Your Worship Cthulhu. Oh, same. Because so like, it's. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I've got. Okay. I'll wait till my turn. Okay. All right. Uh, Tony, is that it or did you have any yep. more? No, that's it. Okay. All right. Well, then go ahead, Cotier. It's your turn. All right. So every year, uh, there's a group in my city that puts together a tabletop gaming convention. Okay. So it's all types of tabletop games, board games, RPGs, whatever. Okay. It's called Impossible Realities. Uh, they put two events together, uh, one in the spring called March to Oblivion, and one in the, in the fall, uh, usually first weekend in September. Uh, and it's Impossible Realities and then something. like, uh, like uh, I don't remember what the last couple ones were because I haven't been able to go. Uh, and then they've only been doing the online stuff, but... Uh, we used to get together, uh, like, the last game of the night would always be Do You Worship Cthulhu? And and again, we'll talk about that later because it's on the list, but I've got some fun stories about that stuff. Uh, board games and stuff like that, like, from growing up and everything, uh, I'm going to list off a few of the ones that you guys have. Uh, we used to play Life. Me and the family used to play Life. Uh, Sorry. Fucking love that game. That was, like, yeah, that's, that old was that's old school. That's uh, old school. Mousetrap. We used to have Mousetrap. I, st- I think Mom and Dad actually still have our original Mousetrap from, like, the 80s with all the pieces still. So there's that. Uh, there's just so many other ones. Um, we didn't play Monopoly much uh, because of tempers, um, which is why I still don't play Monopoly much. Um, but like Dominoes, fucking love playing Dominoes. Triominoes, also really good. I never could understand Triominoes. I fucking put so much effort into it. That's fair. Uh, so, you know, things like that. Like, those were mostly the ones that we played when we were kids, like the more family-oriented ones. Uh, though not to say that, like, Catan and Carcassonne and stuff like that aren't family-oriented, because they obviously are. But, like, we're talking, like, the old-school, old-school ones. So, so yeah. Those yeah, that's them. fair. Uh, we also got in chat, um, Oliver had mentioned uh, Guess Who, and that reminded guess me who, of... Yep. Yeah, Guess Who was great, and also Stratego. Like... Cool. Oh my god, I like, miss I miss those. Cotier bringing up triominoes just brought back a whole bunch of What's like, a triominoes? So it's like it's dominoes like, except triangles. They're triangles and it's a bit more complicated and that was Why? kind of the realm of the the loners with weird eyebrows that spent time at Radio Shack. Like that was their kind of game. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I like Tri- the the thought of playing a triangle set of dominoes already makes my brain hurt. Like I'm not about that because okay, when we went to Savannah yeah, back when one of our buddies uh, lived down there, don't knock till you try. Um, yeah, when Batman lived down in Savannah, uh, we all got together and went to visit him. So myself, Ray, Alex, uh, Batman, like we were all playing dominoes, and we played in teams. And like I didn't realize how uh, seriously people took dominoes. Until I played with people who took it seriously. And uh, it was almost like reading your partner in a game like Brawlhalla or something like that. Like, you're setting up for combos and shit like that 77 steps ahead. And it's fucking bonkers. 
I I want to play dominoes again like that though. That's sh- that kind of dominoes is fun, and I do understand why you'll beat the shit out of someone for it too, especially if there's money on the line. But that's an entirely don't gamble, kids. But um, after kids. that, let's see. Um, well, don't gamble, comma kids, and also don't gamble children. Like they're not bargaining chips. Let me just why clear not? that one up. What? No, no, no. But besides that, uh, what are your um, original tabletop games and experiences, uh, Biggin? Um, mainly Monopoly and uh, Risk. Those are the only two that I really, you know, like as a kid, I played a little bit of like Battleship and you know Connect Four and all that stuff, whatever. But like the ones that I can remember is like us as a family sitting down and just like going ham on Risk. And it was always me and my dad at the end. <laughs> um, risk, risk was always fun. I, I do miss playing Battleship, but it evolved to the point where uh, you could play Battleship with shots, and then shots. I just died. Oh god, oh that was brutal. Um, but any others? Not really. Just those two, really. That's all I really. Played. That's fair. Yeah, I think for me, like, my family wanted to try and teach me, like, the the value of a dollar. And so we started by playing Monopoly, and I... Well, that was, yeah, we, we played a lot of Monopoly as a kid, and then I've even played it a lot here recently. I do miss Monopoly, although some games can take, like, 47 hours and be longer than one game of fucking 40k, so... Yep. Try two-player Monopoly on a board where both of you were cheating just a little bit. That game will go three fucking weeks long. Fuck that. There's your problem. You started playing Monopoly. <laughs> uh, also, uh, chat did say Scrabble and Boogie. Or not Boogie. Boggle. I can't even read. Um, and I do, I will say, I did love a lot of Boggle and I loved Scrabble. If only because, like, you know, at the time I was eating books with how fast I was reading. And uh, it was a really good I little... Good uh, books. Oh. I mean, oh. it was good for my diet. I mean, come on, I'm a vegetarian. They're basically pressed leaves at that point. So Fair enough. So my, my dad's one of those guys that was in Mensa, and it's kind of like when a middle-aged man buys a Harley, you don't have to ask, he'll fucking tell you. And you should have seen him the first time I smoked him in a Scrabble. Like, absolutely fucking shit mixed him. Because I've been playing Words with Friends and, you know, annihilating everybody. Um, I went back because we played when, when I was a kid and I'd lose every game by like a huge margin. And, uh, yeah, he only played Scrabble once with me as an adult because he got fucking smoked by like a 200 point deficit. And he's like, nope, I'm done. I do remember when words with friends fucking took off like that one and the draw one or whatever that everyone was playing it. Like draw the, something lasted about that four one. fucking days. It, I mean, it basically Pokemon goad the uh, the the community of everybody before Pokemon Go Pokemon goad the community of everybody. Um, but yeah, Monopoly was Monopoly was great. Um, it was kind of rough because not I don't think anybody understood late game rules for Monopoly. It almost became like by the time you knew someone was dominating the game or it came time to like quote unquote save the game. No one really gave a shit. You were just kind of done and tired and just put it the fuck away. I don't think anyone understood how like mortgaging the properties back to the bank worked or anything like that. 
and I, I can promise you right now, if you ask me what happens if you needed to sell a property, I couldn't tell you because there are official rules that exist that I don't know. So uh, there's an auction system for that. Um, yeah, I, that's the thing. Like I've, I think I read it and I was like, whatever, like we've been playing by whatever homebrew rules we've been playing by for like the last 9,000 years. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to change. Uh, I will also say we used to have game nights at a friend's place and, uh, we played something called speed Uno way before the, uh, that digital Uno game that's out now that you can download came out. Um, but like, basically if you had the same, we, what we did is we took four decks of Uno cards and smashed them together. And then everyone would draw normally to begin. And if someone had, let's say like a green five, you could play out of turn. If you had a green five and just start dropping your cards. Uh, the rule was you had to go back to your hand every time. Like you couldn't just hold like 16 cards and drop them all at once. Um, but we stacked draw fours. We, we were able to stack everything to the point where we made someone draw 32 cards and they just rage quit the table. Like, oh, well, but, um, we're going to get into some memories of RPGs, some tabletop RPG memories. Now, Tony might not have a lot of experience in this, but that's for now. I'm trying to kidnap Tony and take him to Dragon Con and toss him into the Adventurers League and do a one-shot campaign with the DM and see what happens. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, could, God. Could you imagine, like, Tony Tony's- just gets a pre-rolled rogue or something? Tony needs to be a dwarf barbarian. What the fuck? No. That is the literal embodiment of fucking fight me, bro. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I want to be sneaky. Yeah, but that's not you, you do also still have that Florida man come at me, bro. That's, attitude. that's, that's not you, baby. <laughs> that's not you, baby. <laughs> I don't know. Coats here. If you were to write up a uh, a character background for Tony as far as uh, class already and everything working goes. on it. Oh, he was already working on it. I'm sure. It's me. What was that? <laughs> I was going to say, if you were to cr- uh, come up with a uh, a a race and a class for Tony, what would it be? Hmm. My personal favorite is a dragonborn uh, hexblade warlock. I couldn't see him as a, I couldn't see him as a hexblade or be a dragonborn. He's a very oh. tiny dragon. Oh, I'm a very tiny dragon. <laughs> Wait, that, dude, how, that, that combination. Are, are we going based off? Okay, first of all, I don't know anything about him visually, so I'm just going based off of personality here. Yeah, no personality alone. Are you saying? Are you saying that he's like a short little motherfucker? 5'11". I mean, he's he's average. 5'11". Fuck you. Fuck you with your short 5'11". <laughs> fuck off, you bastards. I'm lucky I'm if so I push 5'6". I'm so glad I can't sticks. hear you go off right now because I'm focusing on my game. Because I'd have some shit to say. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm talking about I'm defending you, you piece of shit. Oh. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> fuck the Canadian that's mean to me. But fuck yeah, the Canadian that supports me. All right. Like, Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not calling Tony um, short. I'm just saying, like, that's the perfect embodiment of fucking fight me, bro. Like, it don't get better. I could almost see, like, um... Somebody did uh, draw up a, um, uh, a variant for a human that was Florida Man. They did, and I, I I don't know if I posted it on the Facebook page, but I did post it somewhere. Um, but there is a Florida Man human variant subclass that exists. It uh, fucking wild. And, uh, <laughs> it's fucking dumb. Like, 
now we did get it into uh, into chat where Oliver mentioned that at least I'm being nice to Tony and I'm going to toss him into the Adventurers League and not into one of Josh's games. Um, which that, as we talk about RPG memories, I guess you know I'll just start. So Josh is a near and dear friend and one of the one of the most nerdy people I know. Um, you guys have all talked to him when we did one of the old old music talks way back in the day. Um, he's also a phenomenal D and D player and one of the greatest DMs I have ever had the pleasure of like playing inside their world. Um, everything like that. And one of the most memorable moments we had was a creature that we encountered called the Hanged Man Tree. Hey, Ghoul. Um, hey, what's up, Doctor Ghoul? Um, oh, and Doctor Ghoul said, "As for board games, I got a taste for Risk, both classic and Doctor Who, but I'm still big on on uh, online Battleship." Hey, that yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there's this there's this creature in D and D called the Hanged Man Tree, and yep. so we're approaching it. I'm playing a uh, a dwarf cleric. Uh, we've got our paladin with us. You know, we've got our our party ready to go. And Josh had looked at the challenge rating that the DM's guide put for it, and apparently it said it was fine for us. I will tell you right now, it was not. Um, this tree has the ability to emit spores, and if you fail your throw on it, you start hallucinating, and you start seeing your friends basically beating up an innocent tree. Like, <laughs> the tree doesn't do shit. And so what happened is Dave, another one of our good friends, um, Dave is one of our big damage dealer fucking tanks just out there like, yo, I'll absorb this damage fucking go. And he just went and sat on a tree stump and started doing his nails because he failed his uh, constitution saving throw and literally in his mind saw the rest of his crew just beaten up on this tree that wasn't doing shit. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that this tree, uh, it can try and throw one of the uh, like the vines that is in its canopy at you. And if it succeeds, it wraps around your throat and starts pulling you back to, to hang you. Um, another one of its moves is that the hanged corpses that are from it become animated and start coming after you. Nice. And the last one is if you want to try and do a melee attack on the tree... And let's say you want to go punch it. Let's say you've got a uh, a monk or a Florida man that just wants to, you know, like bath salts and then punch. Yes. You get stuck to the tree. Like it's covered in this viscous sap and it's just stuck and you well, can't go anywhere. Tree stuck to me. Hey, Rigloop. <laughs> yeah, I guess in Tony's mind, the tree is stuck to him. Um, so that was right. one of the most insane like encounters that we've had in uh in D and D, and that's one of the moments. But let's go to we're just gonna so roll we, down the list. Oh hmm? no, I'm back. I'm back to what I was what we were talking about. By the way, yeah, yeah. So so since, so, since uh, I didn't want to since I didn't want to interrupt you, I was talking like so like it was you were so into it. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm going for a quick smoke and then I can talk with you guys. We are back. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, um, uh, race and class for. Tony, uh, Air Genasi Barbarian. What the fuck is that? Fucking badass is what it is. So, obviously a barbarian being a barbarian, right? 
So you get to go into a Rage, which deals you extra damage and gives you temporary hit points. Okay. Uh, an Air Genasi is essentially a descendant from a Jinn. Okay. I'm a genie? So you're descended from a genie. So you get like benefits from like wind elements. Okay. So like you can get like additional speed boosts during attacks, uh, an additional bonus action or something, or a bonus attack or something like that. So uh, if you check out uh, stream, like there's an Air Genasi on okay, screen. Hold on. I'm fighting a Petra. Okay. But, Sorry, keep going. So yeah, so I would definitely put you in that. Uh, you get yeah, like a yeah. you get you get like a dexterity increase uh, to your like bonus to your increased bonus. Um, you can hold your breath indefinitely as long as you're not incapacitated. Like man, it's just fucking air genosis, That man. sounds like, dope as fuck. Know? I'm telling you. Yeah, Honestly, you, you sound like you'd be you sound like you'd be like kind of quick enough, or even like an Earth Genasi actually as well, because the Earth Genasis are pretty fucking cool too. Um, they have other fun little effects that you can that you can do. Um, oh, it's like you can like you can. Ah, uh, it's it's the Genasi is just a fucking really diverse race, honestly. But I digress. Sorry, that's. Yeah, they're- there are a couple of different, like, there are the, the different elements for the Genasi, uh, Tony. Fuck. Yeah, there's a couple of different of them. So, like, uh, here on screen, if it fucking loads, is um, all four of the different Genasi. Like, you've got earth, wind, fire, and water. Um, right. And so those are the different Genasi, and they're fucking bonkers. We actually, do you remember, you know Randy, right, Tony? Yeah, I know Rand. Yeah, Randy uh, played a fire genasi in one of the campaigns that I was in, um, and it was actually pretty fun to like have a genasi hanging out with us and doing shit. But because it's Randy, it was also like off the wall. I'm just gonna go do dumb shit. Yeah. Um, also, Oliver did say that for Tony, I'm thinking of a halfling warlock. What do you think? The hell, the halfling. That mean uh, a halfling? Uh, no. A halfling? Think halfling? What do you mean small? No, think the hobbits, oh, yeah. dude. Because that's actually a hobbit. No, I don't want to be a hobbit. It's basically a hobbit warlock. No, no. Are <laughs> you fucking magic? You know, dude, no, if dude, you wanna... warlocks are badass. <laughs> yeah, Tony, warlocks are. If you now, I will say this. Now, this is going to throw back to however many episodes ago. But if you're looking for a cute cat girl, you could also be a tabaxi as a cat. Oh yeah, boy, tabaxi for sure. And yeah. then you know, go find other cat girls. Yeah, embrace your persona. That's good. <laughs> so, so Tony, a warlock is seriously like I made a deal with the devil, and now oh, I so can it's do like shit. so it's not like buy Merlin's beard, pointy hat, no, long white no. beard, so, blonde so, shit. You have a wizard that studies magic to do it, and that's 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 your atypical Merlin. You have uh-huh. a sorcerer whose bloodline allows you know somewheres along his bloodline somebody fucks something magical, and so <laughs> he inherently can do magic. And then you have a warlock, and the warlocks went out and made a deal with a deity so they can do magic. And like then you have one. my favorite. The bard who bullshits his way into magic because he can <laughs> yeah. just fucking do it. Um, Honestly, the other, one, could... the other ones hate him. 
I could great. see Tony playing the stereotypical bard where like I roll to seduce everything that yes. moves. Yes. Um, but with the Florida man variant, so it's like I try and seduce you with a keystone light. Oh um, god, I want to see somebody roll that up now. Like I want to see a human variant Florida man bard. Yeah, absolutely. Um oh, or we did get another another one for Tony, uh, a tortle gunslinger. <gasps> a tortle so, like a tortoise? Yes, like yes. essentially Aww. Master Uguay with some fucking gats. Oh, so I'm fucking Blastoise. <laughs> like, like the 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 time the one time that I played, uh, I've only got to play five e once. I've always played Pathfinder because that's just what the people that I played with that was their uh, game of choice. But I played a, um, I did the Hexblade Warlock Dragonborn. So you got the boost of strength, and my packed weapon was a giant battle axe. So it looks like we're on RPG memories now, are we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. But I mean, in the, in the middle of all of this, we can be creating uh, uh, character variants for Tony as well. So oh, I know that's fair. I played D&D. I was never been lucky enough to play D&D. Christ, dude. Like, okay. No, dude, when I take I'm, you to con, okay. I will sit in Adventurer's League with you. I will sign you all up for fucking Roll20, and I will run you through a goddamn campaign. Oh. <gasps> I want to do it. Yeah, that sounds so much fun. Yeah, let me work on it. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely on board. We might be able to turn that into a stream. Actually, that could if if roll twenty. If we have the ability to either get us all on camera, or if you're able to have like uh either background um things where you can like maneuver your character, so stream can watch it. That's what roll twenty does, dude. Does it? We'll find. we'll, We'll find a way. Yeah, and honestly, I've never played the campaign for Curse of Strahd. Um, it would be a homebrew because I don't have any other uh, any actual like preset campaigns. No, and I mean, but. if you want to, if you want to write up one uh, on your own as well, like I'm about it. Uh, if you need materials or something, I will see what I can do to help you get materials or whatever. Yeah, but I, I do think um, having our merry band of idiots do a a live stream D and D Tony's first thing would be fun as fuck. And especially because if I remember correctly, roll 20 allows you to roll in the app. So yep. the DM can see it. So you can't fudge your fucking numbers. Yep. So yeah, that would be dope. Uh, and we can even do an entire episode on all character creation, backstory, all of that shit. And I'm about it. No, I'm a hundred percent. I think I've talked to you about it before, but Hey, let's, let's get like a fucking D and D. Let's, story. um, uh uh yeah so let's at some point uh maybe on a weekend or something get together and chat about it and try to work out some details yeah absolutely also real quick as we're talking about future plans for the podcast and stuff like that uh real quick i do want to mention um i was actually giving a listen to our big movie podcast part two and it reminded me that uh jacob reached out to me and he cannot do any of the wednesday streams with us anymore to record because of his new job and so if we want to do a continuance of the big movie podcast episodes, we would have to get together on the weekend and I'll, I'll stream it like we do normally, but we'd have to figure out a time where we can all get together on the weekend and record for like two hours. So I'm just letting you all know that that's a potential thing that we would be doing. So just yeah, okay. a heads up. Yeah, but uh, I can do, I can do it. I yeah, think we let's... were still trying to go down the list on the uh, the tabletop memories. And that yeah, we are. So you're next, Alan. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I've, I've got two that really stand out, and it's not because they were particularly epic. It was just more of 
my specific brand of bullshit manifesting in wonderful ways. Um, and one of those, we were, we were in a campaign and I was playing my typical guy with a big ass sword and a lot of hit points. And we were in a, a bar and the, the DM said we basically needed to start a bar fight. Um, so we could pound some information out of some guys. And, uh, in character, I look across the bar, I point at this guy and yell, your mother's vagina looks like somebody punched lasagna. Hit a 20 on the roll, split the dude clean down the middle, and, and ended that shit before it even started. Um, that couldn't have gone better. And then uh, the other one was one of the more frustrating moments for our DM because he tends to run a little bit more on the serious side. And we had a, a couple of orcs guarding an entrance that we weren't able to fight because that would set off everything in the dungeon from that point forward. And I rolled high enough that my DM had to allow me to throw a bag of oyster crackers on the ground in front of them and distract them so we could sneak in. And they got hit by the world's most interesting bag of oyster crackers. And You distracted guards with oyster crackers. Yes. But no, so right? Just oyster crackers? No, yep. Just a, just okay. a bag of oyster crackers <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> they got hit by the world's most interesting bag of oyster crackers on like a 19 with the modifier. God, all right. Uh, Coats here, what about yourself? Oh, I've got a lot of favorite memories, RPG memories. Um, I'm going to go not a D&D one this time, Uh, like the last time we chatted. Um, So I was playing Call of Cthulhu at Impossible Realities, the September event, with my all-time favorite dungeon master named Dana Betts. Okay, I've known Dana for a long fucking time. The guy runs Call of Cthulhu one-shots for these events that usually go on about six, seven hours. And every single Call of Cthulhu that he has ever run has been inspired or has been derived from one of the actual nightmares that he's had. Okay? So, this one here, I'm not going to go too far into the details of it, but... The the base uh, hook of it was that we were a bunch of old buddies from school or whatever, and once a year we would get together and we would have a big massive D&D night with the whole gang, right? And so, this particular Eldritch Horror that we were going up against, um, I believe was uh, Sugar? uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but he's the big radiation blob guy from the sky. Okay? So, we're going to find out what the hell is going on because none of us know what the fuck is happening right now. And uh, we were, we basically found a clue that led us to a museum. And we, so we're on our way there and people are going insane. People are going crazy. There's gangs in the street and we meet up with this like eldritch thing. Essentially think gelatinous cube, but not really a gelatinous cube. Okay. My character's driving the SUV. All right. And we're sitting there, and we're like, okay, we can't go forward because this big, massive fucking Elder God thing is there. Aspect of an Elder God is there. We can't go behind us because we've got, like, all of these, uh, all of these, like, fucking insane fucking gang members behind us that are going to kill us if, we, if we're not careful, okay? And in order to attempt to willingly kill someone, which is, like, an act of insanity, you have to make a, like, a, a, a saving throw in order to be able to do it. So if I wanted to kill a person, 
in this like I wanted to shoot you, I would have to uh, roll an idea check in order to, and fail, in order to perform that act because it's an act of insanity. Okay? Because a normal person isn't going to kill somebody. Let's be honest. I mean, unless you're a Florida man variant. Right. So anyways. Normal. So, anyways. (laughs) So, we're not going to get into that. I'm just saying that, like, killing somebody is insane. It's an act of insanity, regardless as to whether or not you think it. Okay. So, at least in the aspect of this game, let's say. So I'm left with a decision. What the fuck am I going to do? And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Everybody buckle the fuck up. I'm going through this fucking thing. So I'm in an SUV. I fucking gun it. And he and he's DMs, looks at me and says, okay, roll to hit. And Call of Cthulhu, your roll to hit is done on a D100. Okay? So 2D10, basically. The lower your score, the better it is. The higher your score, the more you miss. I rolled a 4 on my to hit and rolled a critical hit. I did piercing damage to an elder god with an SUV. Perfect. Well, fuck. Okay. I fucking hit him. I go right through him and everybody, the entire table is fucking losing it at this point. Everybody's laughing. We've got one or two, um, we've got one or two spectators who are fucking like laughing their asses off at this point. Right. I'm keeping a dead straight face and I'm just like, okay. And he's like, what do you do now? And I'm like, is it getting gunky all over it? Whatever. And he's like, yep. I hit the wipers. <laughs> and as Classic. I start doing the motion for it, right? And and that's the point where I lost it. Like, I, just, I couldn't keep a straight face anymore. But I went right through the fucking thing. I did piercing damage to it. The thing almost exploded, but then didn't because it's fucking Elder God. What are you going to do against it with a fucking SUV? Okay. So I go fucking through the thing. And straight on and we were able to get to the rest of the campaign and everything like that. Uh he's raising Well fuck. fuck. That's fucking bonkers, man. Like Yeah, man. That was the, so that's one of my favorite all-time favorite things as uh in, in one of my favorite me moments in in my RPG career. Yeah, that's fair. Um, once we get through uh, Riglu and Biggin, I've got one that also deals with a uh, a god, and it was me being stupid and the dice loving me. But Riglu, so right now we're talking about um, memories that we have playing uh, different RPGs. So what memory do you have playing an RPG that is just memorable to you? You can skip me at the moment because right now I'm doing some shit in the in the in the Gmail. So, oh, okay, all right. So Taylor, what about you? So, I had one of the campaigns of Pathfinder I played. I decided I was having trouble coming up with what I was going to be like my character and everything. And everybody knows League of Legends. One of the characters in League is Wukong. And it's literally Sun Wukong. You know, the Chinese god. And so I was like, well, let's just play, um, and I can't remember the name of the race because it's not in 5e, but there's, in Pathfinder, there is a race of, like, monkey people. Um, And I was like, we'll play that. I'll play Sun Wukong, but with Sephiroth's sword. I think it's, they're called, what, the, the Nagadashis? Holy shit, okay. Ain't, ain't that right? Yeah. Like the giant katanas? Yeah. Yeah. So I played, I was essentially Sun Wukong 
with uh, Nagadashi instead of a uh, pole staff. <laughs> um, and that paid off. We were on a ship traveling and got attacked by um, like shark people. Um, and I managed to get on the bow of the ship and I had to like pass an acrobatics check, a dexterity check, a strength check, and an attack roll to do this. And roll damn near perfectly on him. I didn't crit, but I was like 18 plus. And managed to do a on my tail spinning 360 with the sword to attack all the shark people that were coming over the ship. So that was fun. So your own little variants of a Sharknado. Also, uh, for clarification, um, if it's got the long handle and then the broadsword near the end, it's a Naginata. Uh, if it's just a giant fucking like buster sword or something similar to like uh, Zabuza's sword from Naruto, then it's closer to like a Zanbato. Uh, Sephiroth sword. Yeah, so closer to a Zanbato then. Um, <clears throat> so for me, uh, there was one time... It was my first D&D campaign ever. And we get stuck in an enchanted wood. Uh, like, you know, they the woods don't seem to be ending. Every time we're progressing forward, it just we keep getting deeper and deeper into these woods. And we can't find a way out. So our cleric, uh, my buddy Sam, uh, he tries to call upon his patron deity to help us out. Does not answer. His god is like, fuck you. You rolled too low. I'm not picking up the phone. So my my DM made me jail my D20 after this. Um, so I rolled to call upon my patron god. And I'm playing a half-orc druid. And I was trying to lean into the half-orc part, not the druid part. So I end up summoning the god Groomsh, the one-eyed orc. No, oh, I remember his fucking... Yeah. So... The earth splits open, and this 20-foot fucking monstrous orc just appears from the ground. And he kind of looks down at me, and uh, orcs don't like half-bloods at all. So he was kind of dismissive of literally everything I had to say, because he's like, well, who the fuck are you? And I was like, dude, I want to be you. Like, I want, I want to have your power. Uh, I want your help to be, like, the best orc that I can be. So he picks me up and is looking at me, and, like, it's effectively, like, if you hold a USB uh, like flash drive in your hand, and that's kind of the relative size difference of this giant fucker holding up my character. Um, so we have a rapport going back and back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and I'm trying to convince him to just let me be like the embodiment of the best orc ever. And so my DM is like, well, roll to convince the god. Another fucking 20. And so he's like, well, all right. So instead of being like, hey, blippity blappity, here's your power. Uh, he took a knife out and gouged out my character's eyeball and then lifted up his eye patch and took out the orc, his eye, like his one flaming eye, and then shoved it into my skull and then dropped me from like 20 feet. So I had to take all that fall damage. And so my DM's like, well, roll. So I did. And I hit another 20, so I landed in our cart that we were with in the hay and was passed out. Um, but that die was 
jailed for basically being too good i guess which sucked uh it also came back to bite me in the ass because i was trying to play a good character and the problem is is that when you use the orc eye of groomsh as an item you have to do a constitution saving throw and if you win you get to pick the abilities that you want to use whether it's uh like the ethereal spear or something like that but if you fail Groomsh takes over your mind and you're in the back seat of your own mind while he gets to go chaos and crazy. And uh he basically rolled up two drow into like toothpaste tubes and killed them and then ran off into the nearby town and killed all the people there too. And the druid gods were not happy about that. <laughs> so yeah. Um it was a it was a really interesting campaign to say the least. But yeah, Tony, basically in D&D Depending on your DM and how good they are, um, they basically control the machinations of the world around you, and you basically get to just live the life of your character, and everything you do, there there are some immortal words from uh, the Critical Role podcast from Matt Mercer himself. I um, love that podcast. It's a great podcast, which by the way, if I were to suggest some good D&D podcast, it would be that one. Um, the Adventure Zone and Dungeons and Daddies, and it's not a oh, kink thing. I'm gonna, but... I'm gonna also put throw the into the hat. Um, uh, uh, D and D is for nerds. Yes, Dude, but season, those are season one of Adventure Zone was one of the greatest stories. It makes me cry. I've listened to uh, like bal- the balance arc. I've listened to that now probably five times over because like. I'll restart everything they've ever done when they drop a brand new season. Um, And so every time, the last two episodes always make me cry. Without fail. It's so good. So like, Tony, if you want to hear what a bonkers but really good storytelling narrative D&D is without a huge focus on the dice rolls or the the rules, then the Adventure Zone is it. If you want to hear something... That's basically run by absolute professionals that write for Wizards of the Coast. Then it's going to be Critical Role because critical that role, is sure. Matt Mercer, uh, who Tony, if you don't know, voice of McCree. Um, you mean Cassie? But I mean, but um, he's he has one very very unique phrase that almost every single DM around the world <laughs> has adopted. Yep. Which you can ask your DM, like, "Hey, can I do this?" And your DM will just look at you and go, you can certainly try. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can like, certainly try. And that's Ooh. it. Like, it's the most ominous, like, fuck you, try me. But it's also like, if it succeeds, it succeeds. Yeah. Because it's their world. You're just living in it. And I've, if you happen to do the thing, you do the thing. I've always liked his, um, whenever, you know, you're, you're attacking and you you roll your damage and everything, and that that right there is going to be the killing blow. I've always liked. His, yeah. How do you How do you want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I fucking love that. Like, oh you my god. Get to as your character explain like the the also exactly story. how you do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So good. Uh, do y'all ever have? Did y'all ever do the? Um, and I don't know if this was just uh, my DM learned it from his dad that taught him how to play and stuff like that. But we have um, the falling cow rule. And it's whenever you start trying to metagame, like you start doing stuff that your character wouldn't know, but you would know, 
and you get caught doing that, you get hit with a flying cow or a falling cow from the air, like your character does. I could see that. Like that's almost <laughs> I love I love games that punish people for trying it. Um because like it ruins the game balance for other players who are either new or not nearly as experienced. Yeah. So like if you have Tony at a table with the rest of us, right? I would posit that out of all of us here, I don't have nearly the experience that you guys do playing D&D. Um but, you know, for someone who's a little a little still green, someone who's brand fucking new and then someone who's like as crazy into it as you guys are like having someone who's trying to metagame kills the fun and the balance for people like tony and myself and so yeah fuck you take a cow to the face like but that's i I always did it like if you if and and, you know we know what your character should know and if you start trying to metagame or you start you want to do something that everybody and especially the dm knows that your character shouldn't have this inclination and all that stuff You'll get a warning at first. Like, hey, no, you're not going to do that because your character wouldn't know about that or know to think to do this, you know. Um, You get one warning. And then after that, if you keep fucking doing it, every time you do it, um, you take damage from a cow falling out of the air and hitting you. Yeah, to be anvils. I, I fucking love yeah. that. <laughs> My group's got an anti-bin rule for pretty much the same reason. Like, we... We sat down and tried to play a, a campaign, and we had like me, my ex-wife, uh, my friend Ben, and I think it might have been my buddy Lewis. So we're playing, and our DM Andrew, um, who's still our DM years and years later, um, he has the story going. He has us go into a cave with a spider, and Ben pretty much ended the night and the campaign right then and there because he went in with like a crazy ass min-max rogue that even at a low level was just pulling off jump, backstab, jump, backstab, jump, backstab, and just basically wiped out everything moving before anyone else got a turn and then made it seem like that was the best thing in the world for him to be doing. And just everyone's like... That's kind uh, of a dick move. Yeah, I was like, uh, okay, fuck you. Um, we're not doing that anymore. So now, like, anyone tries to smurf and the DM's just like, uh, I don't like that. Your character's dead. Fuck off. Jesus. I mean, I understand it, though. Like, Oh, I min-max, but I'm not a dick about it. Well, so here's the thing. The other thing, and I guess we're going to go off into a tiny tangent here. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest gripes I have with some DMs is that uh, DMs that are not... Okay, someone's going to get mad at me about this, but whatever. Because I've never never seen it done right. I've never seen it balanced correctly. Is a DNPC. um, Where the DM will play a character in your campaign and yep. essentially is railroading that. your adventure and also is your like effectively if shit goes sideways they get to basically be a god tier savior and ah. stand See, in the is, way or one shot you wanna, in your way do you know do you want to know how to do that the I, only way I would just say don't no the only way to do it and i'm gonna say this because i've done it before and i do it in almost all of my campaigns depending on whether or not I've got enough players, okay? If I don't have enough players, I play the healer. That was about to say. I can see that. Our DM DM did that as well. Hold on. But the caveat to that is he's not a combat healer. So I play 3.5 in the D&D Miniatures Handbook. Uh, One of the character classes that's in it 
is simply a healer, and all he does is heal. He has healing spells, and that's it. My particular healer took a vow of nonviolence, so he will not attack anybody. So you have to... Okay. So if you're going to play as a DM, a DM NPC, your player character NPC, make it a healer. He's not a combat healer. And then you're good. So yeah, I can I can respect that. First time I ever played, and and the first time I ever played was actually fairly recently. It's only been a couple years ago. Um, oh shit! It was a group of us. We we had our our two of our buddies um, that were experts playing, and they were going to teach me, my best friend and his wife, because we all wanted. I've always wanted to learn how to play and all that stuff. Um, the initial caveat starting off that they made for us, and we did kind of a short campaign at first and all that stuff, was, look, y'all aren't going to play spellcasters whatsoever. Like, you're going to learn the basics of the game. So, like, barbarian, fighter, rogue, you know, something along those lines. Something simple. Yeah, the Gauntlet Legends kind of base character. something simple. You're not going to worry about spell slots and all this other stuff. We're going to keep it simple. And um, Draco who was the only experienced player. He had no interest in playing a cleric. He was a sorcerer. Um, so Moose played as a heal bot. Um, he did, we did have it in combat, but it was under the assumption of kind of like, think of it like an NPC companion in games where like you can yeah. point to it and be like, hey, go hit this. I haven't and seen stuff that. like that. So we would, we could be like, um, hey, you know, you, you could call out on your turn, like, hey, Claret, go, you know, could you get this side and, you know, help so-and-so or go, you know, hit him from this side or something like that. We made all the decisions on what he did. Um, Moose was good about healing when it was needed and stuff like that. You know, if he had spell slots and all that stuff, we actually had, he had a fully rolled up character sheet for a cleric for us. Um, and then he kind of did like the heal bot thing for any games that we played where nobody, where somebody didn't want to play a cleric, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like with a DM that does it that way, I can, I can appreciate it, especially because like, if you don't have enough people, most of the time you'll get like a fighter, a ranger, and like one kind of like baby caster or something like that. No one really defaults to a healer. And that's kind of the thing you always need in a party. Yeah. So a DM that steps up and basically is just that, but they're not metagaming for the sake of wanting to show their own narrative. I right. can really, really, really fucking respect because yeah. I've been on the opposite side of that where we've had entire campaigns just kind of railroaded because the DMPC was like, all right, well, we're going to do this or we're going to do that because that character has knowledge of the world and everything else. So it went all of a sudden from that open world sandbox experience to garbage. Yeah. Cause at that point we're not, we're not enjoying exploring We're we're basically playing follow the leader. Well, um, and, I've got, and, and Moose and Draco were good about that. Like you could, we could interact with our cleric and stuff like that. And if like we had a question, like we went down one path that dealt with some like religious stuff that we were dealing with. 
and you know we could ask the cleric and moose would roll <laughs> to see if the cleric knew and then depending well, yeah. on the role, Moose would, See, do, I like, like that. would give like a little bit of information. Like, and he he did the roles on the game mat in front of everybody, so you could see what it was and all that stuff. Like, he yeah, really, exactly. He was real good about not railroading us or not like, oh, y'all need to go do this. Like our cleric, that character wouldn't pretty much wouldn't speak unless was spoken to. Yeah, and so actually, Chad just said, uh, effectively, it's more like a mercenary than a uh, DMPC, because I can I can appreciate that. Like, you're basically going to hire on someone that is played by the DM, but has no, they don't have any affiliation or anything like that to you, except that you are paying them to be a part of your party. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason why they... So I can respect that. Also, I was just remembered of one more memory uh, of an RPG, um, and then we'll jump into some one chatter about one-shots. Yeah, okay, so I'll go, and then you'll go. That kind of reminded me of something, too. Okay, so we'll go myself, Biggin, and then you, Alan, and then okay. we'll jump into some one-shots. But um, actually, Oliver's wife, Mel, was around for this one. Um, and this is after she shot uh, one of our players in the head because um, she played a reasonable? ranger. Well, I, I don't know if it was on purpose. To this day, I don't know if it was on purpose. or You will never know. A, a messed never up know. Role. <laughs> but yeah, she was our ranger and she like she just fucking let loose and it went right into Randy's head. And I was like, uh-oh. Like, okay. But no, no, no. Um, we were, again, I was playing my... Uh, my cleric dwarf, my hill dwarf cleric, and we were going across the pink sands. Um, now, for those experienced players who are listening, you all know what resides in the pink sands. I didn't. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we we've done some trading with a, uh, with a little Bedouin trader, and we're starting to camp out. We finished our camp. We start walking the next day because we're looking for something or another. And all of a sudden, out the fucking blue, our DM goes, all right, well, make a, make a stealth check. And I'm like, dude, I have pretty decent passive perception. This is a blighted waste of fucking sand dunes and nothing. What the fuck is here? And Josh was like, mm, just roll. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't like where you're going with this. <laughs> so I fail because I am a short, clunky dwarf. Yep. In some big, thick boy armor, and I'm clanking the fuck around in the desert. And I fail. Um, and so all of a sudden, the ground underneath us rumbles, and a giant pink worm, which, if I remember correctly now, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, anyone, but I don't remember what the largest size of monster is. Like, I think it's gargantuan. Oh, uh, is it colossal? Colossal or gargantuan, yeah. So whatever the biggest one is... Oh, and Mel is actually here in chat uh, talking about why she shot Randy in the head, whether it was the dice or she wanted to shoot him in the head. And she said a little column A, a little column B. Um, but all of a sudden, this giant... Uh, gargantuan. gargantuan it's gargantuan. Okay, so this gargantuan fucking pink worm eats me. Like, just dune-style comes up out of the ground and Home. eats me. Um, yep. And I couldn't resist it because I failed my perception or my, my uh, stealth... And so it ate me. Um, so all of a sudden, the rest of the party had to basically stop and try and pierce its 
scaly bits on the outside to yep. then carve into the fleshy bit on the inside. And you draxed you draxed him, didn't you? Well, no, because here's what's happening. So Josh is really meticulous when he makes his uh his encounters. Yep. And so he's like, look, you're right now basically ensnared because the undulations of the muscles and the tissues as it's swallowing oh. you are preventing you from moving. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, what the fuck can I do? And he's like, that's up to your party. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to go fuck myself. So what happened was once my party essentially got it past the scaly bits, they had to get into it. And then he did a thing where in X amount of turns, I was moved further and further into the, the digestive tract. And they had to roll to get to to uh, catch up on space, and then would have to pull me. Well, they ended up pulling my character out, but the digestive juices of the worm got rid of literally everything, including the most glorious beard that has ever existed in D anD. Uh, all of my armor, that. all of my shit, everything except for two things: the helmet that I had, because I rolled a D one hundred in my character creation, so I had like a. Uh, god touched helm that i didn't nah. know what the fuck it does and then secondly uh my weapon which was like a family heirloom or something and was like lightly blessed um and so besides that now my dwarf is stark naked in the fucking desert lo lost all of my gear except for a helmet and an ergosh and i was like you know what fuck like that's what i love about a, a dm like josh though is like everything is survivable you just have to not be kind of stupid. Like I functioned in his world and I'm pretty, pretty dumb. So yeah. And if you ever visit, by the way, Cotier, um, do. I'll see if he, if he'll run a campaign for you to play in or like a one shot. Yeah. I'm uh, okay. So you've got, you've got, I'll, I'll even, I'll let him even let him make the, uh, the character. Okay. So I know you've got one. Uh, I think uh, Alan has one. Did Taylor have one too? Yes. Okay, so we'll just go in order. Uh, we'll start with Alan, then Cotier, then Taylor. What's the? Uh, what are we doing again? Uh, whatever that last that last memory of uh, one shot of uh, RPGs are. Yeah, and, and so one of my other DMs, a guy named Victor, he was an odd duck. Um, the the way he DM was a little bit weird. Um, but we had one campaign where we had a big crew going in. And, you know, it was just basically going fuck around, do whatever you feel like. And people started dropping out, which always happens with a party that meets in person. And by the time everything was said and done, we had spent basically a year where those of us that were still left were running two character sheets apiece. And I'll be honest, I really, really enjoyed running two character sheets like that and, and you know, managing them and being able to also have you know, one turn followed almost immediately by another turn. You know, it kept things feeling really fast, really frantic, and uh, and a lot of fun. And Victor got himself demoted from DM because at one point we started the game on like 3.5 and we get in there and get started. And then the next session, like we spent probably about six hours on character sheets and all that. And that was like our entire session. Right. And the next session we met, he decided to move us over to um, whatever was after 3.5. Um, might have been uh, 4.0. Like Path of Iron or 4th Edition? Oh, fuck Yeah, that. moving us to 4th Edition, he wanted all the stats translated to 4th Edition. Everything translated over and put on the new sheets. 
That took us about seven and a half hours, and we got to play for 20 minutes. And then the next time we met, he wanted to move everything to fifth edition. So we're sitting there for another eight hours just translating everything to fifth edition so we can start playing. And uh, we played for like 10 minutes, and everyone, everybody went home. And then he started talking about changing it back to 3.5 um, before we left. It was like, no, nah, this campaign's over. We're done. Not doing this shit. No. God damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. All right. Uh, Cotier, you've got one, I think. Uh, so what was it? Last... Uh... It's just your last uh, memory, because I know when I was commenting, I think you, you Taylor, and uh, Alan had all said you have one more memory before we continue on. Oh, uh, oh God! You said you had something right before I said I had something. I don't remember what that was. All right. Well, Uh, Taylor, what about you? Yeah. Um. Somebody else go, and then I'll try to remember. So, first campaign ever, and and ever since then, I've always kind of. I like to play chaotic neutral. Like, that's just the type that I like to play. Because I like to tiptoe right on that edge of, is he good? Is he bad? Like, you know, find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. Um, So the first campaign I ever played, first time I ever played, I was a rogue. Um, And my character, like, I made him, like, he was like five foot seven. Real small, scrawny guy because rogue, you know, stealthy. Um, my best friend's wife, also, you know, their first time playing, she played a barbarian. So, you know, honking giant, think the Amazonians from um, Futurama. You know, Death by yes. Snoo Snoo, those types. Um, we got, and I don't know where it's, how it started or when it started. But for some reason, we started a collection of our enemies' skulls. And it was just the funniest thing at the table because everybody would just constantly, like, we'd finish up a battle and be looking around, and then me and Megan would be walking around, like, lopping the heads off of the enemies and tying them up on, like, a belt. And, like, yep, this is our collection now. Well, so shit. That was one of those, yeah, right. like, like we didn't go out and just, like, randomly kill people to collect heads. You said specifically of my enemies, yeah, exactly. so that's okay. <laughs> uh, we, we had a guy that was a little bit of a troll that used to be in our campaigns regularly, and he would cut the middle fingers off enemies occasionally just keep them. Ah, so much sticky. Ew. <laughs> also, uh, Mel said death by Snusu. Absolutely. Okay, so if we don't have anything else, um, all right. I'm so gonna, no, uh, I, 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 I thought of one. I thought of one. Okay, okay. So, uh, one of my most memorable D and D moments, D and D game moments. I was. Oh God, which one do I want to go? See, this is so hard when you've got like so, like you know what I mean. Um, I've already told you guys about the dropping a whale on a guy. Um, or did I tell you guys about? I told you guys about that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and okay. it's also it's also like stories like that have also circulated as memes now because of how outrageous and possible it is to do. Yeah, like, uh, so there was that. Um, that's always been one of my favorites. Um, I have. Uh, I think one of my favorite. Oh yeah, um, one of my favorite moments as a DM uh, was when I. Uh, 
I'm not going to say convinced, but I kind of nudged my players in a specific direction. Uh, we were running, um, I was running the, uh, the pre-made setting, um, the Shattered Gates of Slaughterguard, uh, which is the second, uh, campaign in the Wrath of Shardalon series. Um, and, uh, I had added a bit into that particular campaign, because it's not... Like, it's not one of the, the normal ones for it. Uh, and what I added was um, the Deck of Many Things. <laughs> That's a good and bad thing all at once. That and the Wild Magic Table. Fuck the Wild Magic Table is pretty fun, but the Deck of Many Things was, I think, one of my favorite things. So we ha I had five players in that one, and two of my players decided that they're going to draw some cards. Um... One of them, uh, I can't remember the name of the card, but it was the one where when you draw it, you get, basically get imprisoned by, like, a, one of your, basically, like, an enemy. And so I did that, and he uh, went off and he disappeared into that, and all of his gear was basically left behind. And everybody was like, oh, that's not good. Um, oh, I'll tell you about, uh, Balian Falls is the... Uh, uh, is the campaign where we dropped the whale on the guy's tower. Okay. We it. had, okay. we had basically built a, uh, uh, an inn, and then eventually that inn turned into an actual city in, on the sword coast. And it was called Baleen Falls, even though it was nowhere near a body of water. So... Because well, a Baleen a whale, whale or a, a blue whale. whale. Ended up, yeah, I was gonna say a whale ended up there, so... Essentially. So, in this one here, um, I think my favorite part that I'm talking about for the, uh, for the deck of many things is everybody picked at least one card, uh, which most of it was good, um, but two guys got things that were bad, and one of those things that was, uh, those guys that gets good, was able to, like, do a wish. And so, like, one guy, essentially his soul got lost, right? Uh, one person was essentially transported to a dungeon where he was now held captive. And that guy was like the strongest guy in the entire party. He was the one keeping everyone alive. And, um, and the one guy with the wish essentially, I wish we never found this fucking deck. Oh shit. And then the deck disappears. Everybody comes back, Buddy's soul comes back because you know what? That is fucking creative. I'm going to go with that, and I'm going to go with that because the guy that said it didn't actually say that he was going to make that wish in character. He just muttered under his breath, I wish we never found this fucking deck. Oh, okay. And so I was like, you know what? Done. And he was like, what? No. And I was like, what? Yup. You didn't say that you were saying that out of character, <laughs> bud. And he was like, fuck. And I'm like, yeah, too bad. So the deck disappears. It, like, basically all the cards come flying back in, and we do, like, the whole graphic of it and how it was going and it was and 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 it, and it went away and uh they did a search check and uh nobody found the deck again even though it went into the exact same spot except for the one guy who was uh he was the mage of the group like he was a he was a sorcerer he was a wild mage and he was like and and he found it just out of sheer fucking dumb luck and he sleight of handed it and he tucked it away and he was like, nobody's fucking touching this thing again. I swear to fucking God. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to find out like, how that. Yeah, it was so good. 
I feel like that's the thing you just sell at the next like city you go to and you just get you get fucking rid of it. Um now, I want to cover something that people may not know exists and these are one-shot RPGs. So it's not just like a one-shot campaign of a tabletop game like D&D or Vampire at Masquerade or, you know, something like that. But these are one-shot little games that you can play with your friends and I think I'll print it out and play one of them with Tony whenever he comes to visit me. Uh, Tony, you listening? Tony. What? I'm sorry, okay. I was on the phone for like the last 20 minutes. No, you're good. Um, so I'm talking about one-shot RPGs, and one of them is one that I think I want to run when you come up this way. And it's called Everyone is John. Um, now, I've mentioned this before on stream, but uh, Two Bats Gaming and I have done a lot of games together. Uh, he's actually done and reviewed so many tabletop games and has gotten me into the love for tabletop, period. If you check him out on YouTube, I'm on his channel called Drink and Die, um, where we played a bunch of different one-shot RPGs, and you can check those videos out. Uh, one of them, again, is the game called Everyone is John. And you, as the DM, are this person named John, but your players are all the schizophrenic voices in his head. And you are fighting for control to achieve your stated objective, which is a secret from all the other voices in John's head. So for example, oh, I like that. Yep. So for example, uh, our buddy, Sam, if you watch the video, I think if I remember correctly, Sam's objective was to collect anything that had to do with ducks. Whether it was an actual duck from a pond, or a rubber squeaky duck, or anything in between, every time he got one, he got a point for it. Now, the DM, as far as scoring goes, will give you a, a point range dependent on how hard your objective is. So, getting duck memorabilia is one point. For me, I played the, uh, the incarnation of the Horseman of War. And uh, I was just in his brain. And for me, my objective was to punch babies. And um, that oh was a, a <laughs> maximum of a three-point value every time you do it. Now, you have to roll to assume control of the character. And then with narrative role-playing, try and figure out how you can achieve your stated goal. So... That is a really fun and really easy uh, one-shot that you can play with your friends, and it has an endless amount of replayability because you can set it up however you want to, and your players, as unique or as dumb as they may be, will have the wildest shit to pull off to try and get to their goal. Um, the only way you lose the game is if John gets, I think, arrested or killed, if I remember correctly. And we've done, I think we've almost gotten him killed a few times. Uh, and I think we've almost gotten him arrested twice now. Um, so there is that. Another one-shot RPG, and this is one that uh, you all would love to watch. Again, it's on the Drink and Die channel, but... Um, oh, fuck. I just, I just had the name in my brain. And, uh, oh, it's called Ten Candles. There we go. So Ten Candles is another uh, one-shot RPG that you can play with your friends. This one, however, 
for hardcore gamers like Tony or myself who look to get ranked in every game that we play to the tabletop like OGs like all the all y'all in here like it's a game that will crush your spirits because you'll never win in 10 candles by the time the 10th candle is blown out everyone is dead you start by helping Hulu that ended that way yeah and the crazy I was one of the candles the craziest thing that uh that this game does and if you have a very very good dm which you'll again if you watch the video you'll see how good uh two bats is at this but when you're starting off in your character creation you need to get a voice recorder or use your phone and you record your last words way before you even start playing and then when your character is killed off you listen to your recording uh, before you resolve other players' things. And it gets dark. Like, I, I'll play a game of it every six months or so because it's heavy. Um, and you need to have a DM that kind of knows some personal things about the people at the table just so they can weave it in and out of the, uh, the narrative that's going on. Well, that's but if you if you want to uh, if you want to experience what I had to go through when I played it for the first time ever, definitely check out Two Bats Gaming on YouTube under the Drink and Die channel. It is it's a long video because it is a long game, but again, it's only one printed piece of paper that you need to make this game work. So there is that. <clears throat> um, now, before we get into anything else. Um, I'm hoping that maybe there are some brand new DMs that are listening to this podcast, maybe some brand new DMs that are here with me on stream. And the reason I'm trying to bring up all the new DM shit is because I did a little bit of reading. Shocker that I can read. But um, there is a a thing I pulled up that is basically um, the top nine games that DMs can get into and get used to DMing that are not hyper rules heavy or anything like that, and that are enjoyable games. So, number one, let me know if you've heard of any of these, uh, all of y'all here on the podcast. But number two, let me know what your thoughts are, period. He said number um, two. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate so much. God fucking damn it. Okay. So, uh, the first one is called Edge of the Empire. Um, now, for new game masters, one of the most challenging aspects of running a tabletop RPG can be thinking of world-appropriate content on the fly. This is not a problem for potential players who are already Star Wars fans or anything like that, and it gives it a, up, a leg up on games in original settings. There's also a great beginner box that new players may want to check out to jump into a campaign more smoothly. Another one is called Apocalypse World. The core gameplay system has been used for the foundation of dozens of great games, but the original is tough to beat. I've heard of Apocalypse World, by the way. I haven't played it. Um, But it gets rid of complicated skills and abilities in other games and focuses on collaboration between the GM and the players. Uh, Let's see. Because of how differently it plays... um, Let's see. Uh, While game masters might be able to need to think quickly on their feet and adapt to player input to run the game well... While many players might find the straightforward dice and action systems easy to get into. Uh, The next one is called Dungeon World, which is using the Apocalypse series that we mentioned earlier as the way that it runs its abilities and everything like that. Um, 
But dungeon, there's a lot of customization options for those that want to dive deeper into Dungeon World's possibilities, but it's also very possible to stick to the basics and have a complete character in minutes. Uh, D&D 5th Edition is on here. Um, I kind of agree with that because old, like 3.5, is difficult for a new player. Agreed. Um, 5e made it a lot easier to create characters, but I, I did uh, DM one session of fifth edition with the wife and kids and it was doable, but dear God, I was scrambling the whole time trying to stay ahead of them in the fucking material that I was reading off of. That's that fair. Not right. And I think the greatest thing that fifth edition has done is all of the pre-rolled modules that are out now make for, um, a lot of really good access to brand new DMS. Because otherwise, you need to do a lot of research on what you're going to put in a dungeon, what the people are going to face, um, the different challenge levels, everything like that. And all of that gets rebalanced in a lot of the campaign uh, material that exists. And like I mentioned earlier, Curse of Strahd. Uh, but there are multiple, multiple campaign books out there that are pre-written that allow the DM to basically use that book to run the campaign and so for your first time as a dm or uh you know your first couple of times whatever it allows you to really really just tell the narrative and run it without having to be scared i guess of all of the different things that can happen if you're trying a sandbox for the first time mm. i you will say if you're a first edition, time uh, so you can also get fifth edition starter modules that are self-contained where you can just start from the ground or, you know, start at level one and work your way up. And if you haven't DM before, but you're familiar with the game, you can do it. Um, and it is very prepackaged and very convenient. The only thing you need to do is buy dice. I will say the one thing to avoid if you were new and I got, I, I went through the coals is Pathfinder. Holy shit. I mean, the, the good thing about Pathfinder is. If you can think of it, they have something for it, generally. Um, the bad thing for Pathfinder is if you can think of it, there is something for it, and there is so much to learn in Pathfinder. Mm. It is, oh my god. And second edition Pathfinder's worse. I think just the player's handbook for Pathfinder 2E is like 800 pages. Fuck that. Says about right. <laughs> but um, the next the next uh, game for a intro DM is called Blades in the Dark. It's uh, it's again one of the games that's powered by the apocalypse, like we mentioned earlier. But uh, one of the one of the best things about it is it walks the line between structure and freedom nicely. The game world and its inhabitants are more established in, than in most powered by the apocalypse games, but there's still a lot of freedom for players and game masters to shape the world the world to their liking. Uh, after that is one called Savage Worlds. Instead of presenting players and GMs with a pre-built world to play in, Savage Worlds is a generic game system that can be used in a setting of the player's choice. If this flexibility seems too overwhelming, the game's publisher, Pinnacle, has released a number of campaign settings and books to help flesh out the world. Now, we're getting into the, the top three here for brand new DMs. Numenera is number three. It's a great game for new players for a number of reasons. Character creation is more narrative than in any other games, asking players to simply match up a verb, adjective, and a noun. 
The game is also great for campaigns lasting only one session, which means that players can get a solid taste for how it works without committing to a long, long time investment. And then Taylor, right here for you, Pathfinder. Oh God, no, no. <clears throat> you don't think Pathfinder is easy to jump into as a DM or a player? No. Okay, tell us why. Uh, Pathfinder was Pathfinder was is based off three or three point five e. I think it is. Yeah, it's commonly referred to as uh, D&D 3.75. Yeah. Um, but they were like, basically the comp, uh, the, the, comp, the idea of Pathfinder was when 4th edition come out and it was absolute shit. Everybody's like, well, we like, we like uh, 3.5e, so we're just going to take this and make our own system out of it. And um, we're going to add rules for everything and, and possibilities for everything. There's so much to account for it. Um, it's, like I said, the, the customization, the, as far as what your character can do. The spell, I, think, I think there are, like, 18 or 19 books for Pathfinder 1E. Jesus and we're and right. we're not even talking about like I'm not even counting like um like game guides like Curse of Strahd or something like that. Like I'm talking, yeah, you're talking strictly just core like rule books, basically. Well, you know, you've got the core rule your source 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 rule books. Yeah, and yeah. then everything well, else is just like adding. To I've it, got adding to I've it. got like I've got sixty three point five source rule source books. Yeah, Jesus. They're all the hardcover ones too. It looks great on my bookshelf. Yeah, I've got a couple of crates of those old books, but I haven't really looked into them yet. But Credit yeah, like that. Five. Basically, when I was learning how to play and we'll like talk. watching videos and stuff like that, and I was looking into Five E, everything that I read was like, yeah, with Five E, they went to a much simpler way to play the game. And after the one campaign, yeah, they haven't, or the one shot that I played on Five E, as opposed to coming from Pathfinder, yes. 5e is so much simpler than Pathfinder. Are there any other um, particular books on that or things on that list? Because I've got a couple on there or that there, I didn't well, see. So they're number one for the easiest game for a brand new first time GM, DM, whatever you want to call it, is called Lady Blackbird. Um, tabletop RPGs are often, uh, the books are often big and beautiful, but also pretty expensive. While the cost may not be prohibitive for players that already enjoy the hobby, New game masters want something with a lower bar for entry. Lady Blackbird is completely free to download, which makes it a great option for groups that want to test the role-playing waters. Character sheets are also pre-written, which means that players can focus on learning the flow of the game and how to utilize their character's strengths instead of worrying about how to spend points in character building. Also, Lady Blackbird's rulebook is only 16 pages. While role-playing rulebooks can frequently go on for 400 or more pages, this slim to the point, set of rules means that the game can be learned in a short amount of time. So, yeah. Now, I think, um, I do like that that uh, list, though, for those uh, top nine, like, brand new ones to get into. Did they, I, I missed the first few of them. Did they have Mice and Mystics on there? They did not. Because that one there, now that one is fucking incredibly intuitive. Incredibly intuitive for new players and, and new DMs. Tell us about it. Uh, Fuck. Okay, I haven't played it in like four years. Um, so Mice and Mystic is essentially it's a like an R D and D like style RPG. Uh, 
except it's you're basically animals, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, so essentially, it's the same deal, like pre-made characters, things like that. So you're not really needing to worry about um, to to worry about uh, that kind of uh, uh, difficulty or or anything like that. Um, and it's just like that last one that you said, where it's like a lot more, it's, it's, as I said, it's a lot more intuitive and a lot better for new players and stuff like that. So that you don't have to essentially worry about, um, worry about, uh, uh, that, I guess I, I don't know. No, I mean, that's fair. Uh, one of the games that I think is also good for brand new groups of people to play is the one I have pulled up here on stream. It's called Expedition. Now, the coolest thing about this is all you need is one person with a smartphone and then either the Expedition little box. And I mean, when I talk about a box, it's like maybe the size of a box you would take to a Magic the Gathering tournament or a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament or something like that. It's a tiny box, right? And you can also print the entire uh, card set for free. But what's crazy is that what happens is when you have the app, right, you use the cards from the box, and then the app will randomly generate the different things that you're going through. Like, the app is basically generating your campaign. And yes. when you want to attack or make a decision or something like that, number one, you're saying how many players you have at the table, right? And so when you have to make a decision, whether it's like, oh, do you want to sneak or do you want to, uh, do you want to attack, as an example, right? The moment that you have it read, it starts timing down and everyone has to touch their answer. And the lower the timer gets and all of that you know, shit, it changes the dynamic of the way that the story is told. So like, let's say everyone decides on sneak as quickly as possible. You probably have a really high chance of success on that sneak. But if you have one of the party members who's indecisive, then even though, let's say, two out of the three players decide to sneak, because it took so long, you might get punished for it and someone might notice you. And all of that and more is possible with this game called Expedition. It's a phenomenal game. Again, all you need is one phone that you can just get the app from. And then, you know, the deck that you can either print out or buy. And that's it. It is a fantastic game to get into. It's really, really good too, because you know, a lot of times, even and I've I've struggled trying to get some of my friends into um RPGs because, you know, while they'll they'll play like massive video game RPGs like Final Fantasy right. 14, where there's a massive story and a huge fantasy world and your place in it, and so on and so forth they're immediately turned off by something like D&D, where be, uh, for whatever reason, D&D just seems like it's too much or too nerdy or whatever the fuck it is, right? But when you have something like this, where it's simple, it's easy, and it's really, really quick to get into, it's, it's phenomenal. So I highly recommend this game uh, of Expedition to literally anyone, whether it's veteran players of any kinds of RPGs, to brand new players that are looking to get their friends together who might be hesitant on, let's say, D&D, Pathfinder, so on and so forth, but they may have an inkling to give this a shot. So I do recommend this for sure. Um, um, now, so, hmm? Just talking about you know stuff like that, you know, I think 
for me personally, I'm always going to vote for one of the best games to get both non-gamers and gamers and, you know, kind of bring everybody to the table and everybody can have a good time even on their first playthrough because you can figure it out so fucking fast as Munchkin. Like, I fucking love absolutely. Munchkin. Yeah. You yes. Get people so far into that shit and I swear to God, like at my buddy Jan's house, he does a lot of like the European board games. He has a lot of stuff. He's pulled off the Kickstarter. It's some amazing shit at Kiel. I wish I could get you down there for one of those sessions. But I got a guy named Copy Chris who for some reason decided it was the most fun thing in the world to just fucking ruin my day every time we sit down to play Munchkin. That's the only thing he does. He he takes himself off the table. But he also makes sure I can't do shit even when I don't have anything on the table. And so now we just have a, or I personally have a, I will never sit across the fucking table with your ass again rule on the back of that shit. Because he thought it was hilarious and everybody else was like, dude, you can chill now. You made your point like two games ago. But yeah, I mean, if if you got a bunch of people that are either kind of interested or not really interested in D&D, drop Munchkin and get them started like after about the first three rounds, they're hooked. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, so Munchkin is a solid way to go for um, for an introduction to an RPG-style game, which brings us to the final thing I want to cover, which are some of the best, like, really good tabletop games overall, not just RPGs, but just good tabletop games for people to play, and I'm hoping that you guys have some too, huh? Uh, before we get to that, what you ask, you know, why is Pathfinder so hard? There are, I just looked it up, 70 different playable races and 42 what? classes. And that's those classes are base classes. That's not counting all the subclasses that's with it. Fuck that. Like, I, I know when, Pathfinder when I has its loyal following, but no. And, like, the, the, the novels that you have to get to, like, understand everything about that game, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that really honestly sounds like it. Um, I wouldn't like, be surprised, Dr. Ghoul, by the way. Uh, between all of y'all, you've seen all the 3.5 editions? Yeah, I'm sure. Like, It sounds like you guys are so heavy into 3.5. Yeah. Well, 3.5 is... Uh, like, I'm not going to say it's like the first one that I ever played, but uh, but it's definitely the first one that I ever like DM'd and stuff. So, so yeah. That's fair. So Munchkin is definitely a good one to get into. Um, another one that I would suggest to people if they're looking for more of a card game to play with their friends, and like I said, um, it's the one that when I play with Julian, even if I play, I'm gonna lose, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a good time, because when Julian plays, he doesn't play to win, he plays to just fuck me up. Now, what Smash Up is is basically you have a bunch of different factions, whether they are kitties or grandmas or giant ants or you know uh superheroes whatever they are right and all of these individual decks are flipped face down and everyone picks two at random and you shuffle the decks together and in the middle of the table you have different bases with different values for when the base scores now that the hit point on a base let's say it's 20 the cumulative amount of your cards, like you and the other players, have to add up to 20. And when it does, the base begins to score. And so first place, second place, and third place will get different um, victory points. Julian plays to just fuck me up on victory points. 
like make sure I don't get them or anything like that, and it's ridiculous. But the game has so much replay value because there are so many factions out there, there's so many different combinations, there's so many different playstyles that you, unless you choose the same two factions over and over and over again, you will never have the same played experience ever. Because every deck plays differently from the time mm. travelers to the zombies, they all play differently. And you have to understand how they play as quick as you can because everyone else is trying to get the same points that you are. So Smash Up is great. Another one that's really good for um, just sitting everybody down and playing a good tabletop game that'll take you maybe an hour or so, you know, you just want to get people together for a game night, is Settlers of Catan. Fucking like, love Settlers of Catan. Absolutely. It's so good. Um, I don't know what to tell besides, like, number one, I think it's probably one of the most staple intro tabletop nerd games out there. Should because, be. Because, like, to me, if you're going to get into, like, I'm not going to say graduate from, but there are family board games like Clue, Life, Sorry, things like that. And then you get into, like, higher variant tabletop games like the ones that I have listed here and a fuck ton more. And I believe Catan is the best intro to that realm of tabletop gaming, period. Um, another good one, Dominion is great. Uh, Azul, however, is probably one of the two most beautiful games that I have ever, ever played. Azul, however, is a game where you're using colored tiles to score points, and the the mechanics of the game make it to where you can't just flood your uh, your grid as quickly as you can. It's a really good game. It's really fun. It has a lot of replayability. Games take maybe 20 minutes at most, maybe 30. And it has a lot of replay value. They have an expansion for it that uses, uh, uses a stained glass. And nice. it's a gorgeous game. Yeah. The second most gorgeous, or the, the top most gorgeous game I have ever, ever come across is called Everdell. Uh, it's an engine builder style tabletop game where you go through the seasons collecting your resources. And I don't know if anyone here is familiar with engine builders, but essentially you're getting resources and things to almost automate the process in front of you to survive the four seasons. Right. And so it's really good at that, but it's also a tiered playing board, uh, which what I mean is that the main board doesn't just lay flat. It's vertical. Um, and it's gorgeous. In fact, uh, let me see if I can find a photo of the board for you, just so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Because it's... I don't know how else to explain it, except that, like, it's just fucking beautiful. So if you take a look at the stream here, that's the, that's the board right there. Like I said, it's got all of this uh, area right here, where you can place your resources, but this verticality up here, like your the deck goes in the middle of the tree, and you have all of this space up here for, again, your different workers, whether you are like turtles or squirrels or bunnies or hedgehogs. And it sounds dinky and doofy, right? But it's so fucking beautiful. And arguably, for me at least, the most beautiful tabletop game that has ever existed. Um, now. I'm going to skip a couple 
And I'm going to go to one that I want to play when Tony gets here. And we talked about it a little at the top of the podcast. Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, God, yes. That game. So, and Tony, you here? Yeah. So, I'm going to run Betrayal when you get here. Okay. And Such a good game. The way Betrayal works <clears throat> is that you and your friends are lost in the woods. Yes. And you stumble across a dimly lit opening to a giant mansion. So you go inside to escape the elements because it's starting to rain and lightning and thunder. And as you and I experienced in Fortnite yesterday, the elements are not nice to us. No. But when you get in and you get into the entryway, the door and all the windows slam shut and you can't get out. What happens is as you explore the, the, the rooms that build off of the foyer, you build the you build the mansion due to your exploration. So no two mansions that you experience will ever be the same, ever. Uh, because it, it's possible, but highly unlikely. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, once you get like the widow's honestly, walk expansion that adds yeah. the uh, that adds the attic. Yeah, like, that's that's fair. Once you get what, yeah, you get the yeah, those percentages increase exponentially. Yeah, and for so, sure. Um. Betrayal, what happens, Tony, is like you're exploring for ways to get the hell out of this mansion because you're like, fuck, we're trapped. So you'll find weapon cards where you can get a sawed off shotgun, you can get a revolver, you can get some TNT, you know, you can get weapons, you can get items like a flashlight, you can get, you can find a cat and or a dog. Oh, and the the mm -hmm. fun thing about those item cards is you have no goddamn idea if it's actually going to be useful at all. Yep. Yep. And so here's the reason why. There's also a third type of card that you'll find, and they're called omens. Now, the omens will help you, kind of. Omens will do anything, um, and they can increase your base stats. They can, you know, give you an item. Omens can do anything. But immediately after an omen card is drawn, you have to roll, I think it's 2d6. I have to read the rules. It's been a minute. Um, and if you roll below the amount of omens that are on the table, then that's when the haunt begins. Now, what Ooh. that means is that all of a sudden, the whoever's running the game stops everything. And they look at the omen and the room that it was drawn in, and they have a grid that's in their, in their handbook. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell them who the traitor is is whoever the trader is gets a separate rule book with their rules as the trader and fucks off to a different room the remainder of the people are survivors who get their own rule book and their own objectives so as an example I'll, I'll throw two examples out here one of them was where we there was no bad guy what happened was a giant 747-sized bird tore the house off of its uh, foundation, and anybody that was in the basement was instantly killed by the rubble. Period. You're dead. Wow. The rest of us, because I think there were four of us left, there were two parachutes located in the house. And so we had to basically get them and then get to an outward-facing room and jump out. So that means two of us were going to die. So we had to basically fight each other for the parachutes, and unfortunately, I was fed to a giant baby bird. 
Um, the second one was unfortunately. I mean, I guess the bird had a good snack. I mean, look, I know I'm. I know I'm I would have enjoyed the fuck out of watching that. It was it was wild, and that was my first ever game of uh, betrayal that I ever played. But <laughs> another uh, one that uh, involves another one. person. What I mean, I've got like now. I mean, even even since the video that I did with two bats, where we talked about betrayal, and then the uh, the second game they put out, which I refuse to talk about because it's a heaping sack of shit that they did just to make money for the Baldur's Gate name. Um, don't don't get that. Like, oh, don't the... even get me started on that. Yeah, I mean, even in that YouTube video, I straight up said that it was just cashing in on Baldur's Gate. That's it. It wasn't. It wasn't fleshed out. The card art was garbage. It was just bad. Period. Um, the only thing you should get is Betrayal, the base game, and then the Widow's Walk expansion, and that's it. But the second game was that one of us was a traitor and had summoned a dragon. So a dragon crashes through the fucking entryway, so you can't leave that way. And you have to basically fight this dragon and your friend, who is now the traitor, and survive, or you get burnt to crispy bits and eaten by the dragon, and then they succeed. But all of these different types of scenarios and many, many more are in Betrayal at House on the Hill. A game will take anywhere from about an hour to two hours, because you're creating the entire mansion first, before the second half of the game even begins. Unless you're Alex. Tony, I need you to understand something. Turn one. Alex explores a room, draws an omen, and rolls a one. Oh! The haunt began with, I think, three room tiles, period. <laughs> I don't understand how he did it, and since then, we've called the shittiest rolls ever in life pulling an Alex, because I've never seen that. I've run, like, four, 400-some-odd games of Betrayal, right? Like, either that I've played in or I have DM'd, because I've played so much of it that I just DM the game now. It's, it's a uh, lot of fun for me to do so. But I have never seen in all that time someone pull off the ability to start the haunt with less than five rooms built on the table. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I think you'll have a blast with it. Um, when you come visit, we'll get, uh, like, Alex, Devon, uh, we'll get people together and play it. Yes. I do have a different, very, very interesting game for a group of about five people run it um my buddy yawn i think this was one of his kickstarters that came in but it's called word wolf all right now this shit's crazy so everybody gets handed a card that tells them whether they're a villager a seer the werewolf or the it's, mayor no it's basically werewolf okay no so oh. the the werewolf and the seer get to look at a word and uh that word could be fucking anything from platypus to die hard to christmas tree and everybody else like everybody at the table no one knows who the werewolf is or the seer is but everyone asks yes or no questions to try to get to the the word itself before they run out of tokens and there's like a limited number of tokens that the mayor can hand out or uh, i think the mayor also knows what the word is but they, they hand them out yes or no to whatever questions you ask until you get there um 
And there's like an app on your phone that has like, you know, a lot of music and, and charm built into it. But that wound up being a shitload of fun for like the five of us for a couple of good hours. I'm kind of waiting to see if that one reaches Amazon or if that's going to wind up being like a Kickstarter only deal. That sounds pretty good. Like there's mm. there's games like that that I've played and it sounds like it is born from the uh, werewolf universe. Yeah. And, and I've. We- we had one Mafia, of them where Secret Mafia, yeah, similar ones like that. Yeah, we had oh, there's one Secret of them Mafia and Rocket where, League. Like the Sorry. little announcer in the app said, "Yeah, there's a nine out of ten chance they're not going to get this one." And someone asked, uh, like, the first question: "Is it a mammal?" Yes. And I was like, "Does it lay eggs?" Yes. Game. That's it. Interesting. All right. So then, hold on. Wait. You said there's Secret Mafia and Rocket League. Yeah, you can play Secret Mafia and uh, Rocket League. How? There's an uh, so you have to get everybody into a lobby, and then there's a website you go to, and it'll tell you uh, who's the secret, like the bad guy, who's the mole, and all that shit. And there's a way to play it. Okay, we should do that. Like we should do that on one of these Mondays. I'm down. It sounds like a good Monday. I'm down. Shit, y'all tempt me to fucking install Rocket League again. Keep that shit up. So, but like, uh, when you're, oh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. No, it's your game. I was going to talk about a different game. So go about, keep going. Oh, yeah. So like where it gets tricky is like, especially with low level players, right? Like no offense to anybody here. Um, Some taken. I'm being attacked. Okay. I don't play, but sure. Fuck all of you. Okay. <laughs> oh, come on. My answer was at least funny. <laughs> your answer was good. Um, so, like, with low-level players, the game's really hard, though, because you don't know who's sabotaging shit. Because you just, a lot of people whiff, a lot of people miss, you know? Like, it's different playing it with, like, Venti and Spatula, I... right? because you can tell when they're missing on purpose. I would like to address something really quickly there, just in the chat here. Um, I, do not, I do not think that it would be a good idea to introduce Tony to Diplomacy. I no would offense. die laughing. I don't think that would be a good idea. Why? He would because rage you have, so hard. Because you have enough rage as it is, my son. I do not want it to go on any further. Somebody tell me about this game. Diplomacy is like risk, except you don't have dice. What? You're literally going around the table and doing backhanded deals with other people while like it's it's lying literally to other actual, to their face. it's like literal literal diplomacy. Like it's oh, oh I think yeah. I would be good at that. I think I'd be all right. I'd be mad, but I'd get shit done. <laughs> oh, I think I. I mean, it would be entertaining at least. I would. I would watch it, but I don't think I'd ever want to play in a game with you, uh, <laughs> because we argue enough as it is, and I kind of like you. Right? I feel that. Yeah, I get that. Diplomacy would be wild. It's a game that I've only played. I think it has once, ruined. Like... It has ruined more friendships than Monopoly. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like, diplomacy can get taken personal real quick. Oh, um, yeah. But, like, a solid, a solid game of diplomacy with really, with really good players or people who know how to, like, talk and, you know, do shady deals and all that kind of shit, like, it can take six hours, if not longer, to play a game of diplomacy. Oh, it could take because, that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, that's on the medium end there. Like, it's a, it's a lot. But... It's it's such an experience to play diplomacy, so there is that. Um, I will say the one of the games I have listed here is called "Do You Worship Cthulhu?" Fucking love now, that game. 
Yep. I've got stories. It is a uh, yep. It is a <laughs> variant. It is a variant of werewolf or mafia or whatever. It's a similar thing. And every time I go to Dragon Con, I'll take my deck with me and just set up somewhere random and find random people to play with. So Randy was with me one time at Dragon Con, and he was wearing a button-down shirt that had like different constellations and shit like that. Whatever, it was a the button-down shirt. Well, fucking nerd. Well, the thing is, is that with uh, do you worship Cthulhu? You have cultists, you have seers, you have you know uh, a vigilante. Yeah, you got protector. a vigilante. Like you've got a lot of different people there, and I like to DM these kind of games. I don't like to play them anymore because I've played a lot of it. But I'm standing in the middle of the circle, handing out the cards and everything like that. And, you know, whoever the seer or whoever the worshiper is will kill someone before the village goes back to sleep. Well, Randy was wearing his constellation shirt, and everyone decided to kill him. Why? Because he was wearing a constellation shirt and therefore was a heretic that didn't believe in the pagan gods. And every single time they killed him because of his fucking shirt, he was not the uh, cultist every time. And it was like five or six different games with a myriad of different players. It wasn't the same group of people. And every time the excuse to murder him was that he wore that shirt. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. But um, when I go to Dragon Con this year, I'll probably take my deck with me and uh, run it again just because I've done it for the past however many years. Okay. So I'm not going to start now. I'll stop yeah. now. Fair enough. Alright, so I love Do You Worship Cthulhu. I've got one, I've got very uh, very similar story. Uh, there's a guy um, that uh, that, so we, we uh, this is again taking place at Impossible Realities. The gaming convention there, okay? So we have <laughs> okay, so there's a guy his name is Al, okay? Al can be kind of a dick. Um, yeah, fuck Al. And like, there's uh, a history there. I'm not going to get into it, but uh, he never got anything other than a villager ever. And he was always one of the first people that I would say, "Guys, we need to lynch this guy right the fuck now." Okay, because like he would do similar shit like that in other games, like he where he would like specifically target a friend of mine just for the sake of targeting him, no other reason. And it's mostly, in my opinion, it's kind of like bullying, especially it's like it's a cooperative game, but you're going to fuck this guy over anyways. Like, fuck off. We're trying to be a team here, right? And so, so we get to the thing where we finally, like, every time we kill him, and he was always villager number eight. So we would refer to each other by numbers as opposed to by name because it was easier for the guy running the game. So villager number eight was always dying and the one game the one game that he the, the very first game he ever got something that wasn't um that wasn't a villager he was a, he was a cultist and we lynched him the first time like the first night anyways and he's like fuck you guys this is the first time i got this and 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 we all knew that he did because he was like yeah all right when he got his card, and it was like, well, we're going to kill him first again, aren't we? And he was like, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. I love oh it my when, God, like, it's so good. there's just that sweet, sweet, like, 
just revenge that happens in these games. Yeah. So yeah, and in fact, uh, shout out to Werewolf ATL. Um, they're a giant group here in Georgia that runs Werewolf all nice. over the place to the point where now they have their own track at DragonCon, and it fills up, and they have like three or four massive rooms where yeah. they're running multiple games of Werewolf because so many people play. So, I mean, I can't complain here. Um, now, real quick, do we have any other games that we want to suggest to people to check out or to play before we end for the night? I have or at some, least end the podcast. I have something that I need to know. I don't know if Mike has heard of it, but he needs I mean, to. Give it a go. Have you ever heard of SW5E? Star yes. Wars? Star Wars 5e. I am actually yeah. in a uh uh our uh our mutual friend Akil, uh Sinistra, uh is yeah. running a game of uh Star Wars 5e uh and where I am playing a rogue-like sharpshooter character. Is it I think that was uh published by Fantasy Flight if I remember correctly. Um, and a lot of the information that you can actually get some of the uh like uh you can get like their source books and stuff like that. I think through wizards as well, like through their websites for free, I think. No, oh, hell yeah. This is a complete, is it not them or maybe it, no, it's, no it's like a I know it's not fan project essentially. Um, right. But you, you go to SW5. Oh, um, that's right. I'm getting it. I'm thinking of, cause yeah, I'm getting the source books on podcast. Yeah. Planning. I'm getting, I'm getting source books through roll 20. Um, that's what I'm thinking. All right. Sorry. But, Everything is all the source books. Everything is a hundred percent available for free online, for free. Yep, on their website, and it's nice because you can download the actual books as a PDF, or like you go over and they have everything organized, so you can just like use the site um, mm -hmm. to do everything. But that's it pretty fucking awesome. Everything, every bit, like you can play a Force user, Jedi, Sith. You know, they have their own, like, rogues and uh, everything. It is a complete overhaul. Uh, and I posted it in um, podcast planning chat. Akil, yeah, I'm it's a pretty fucking it. fun game. But it is a complete yeah, overhaul of 5e for Star Wars. Um, well, shit. Um, and and I, also, I, I would like to... How was that? that? I'm like, if, if you hadn't, I knew that was going to be something that you would be like, oh my god, I need this. Oh, and uh, in part of that campaign, um, I uh, also, another uh, mutual associate of ours, uh, Casey, um, he's, uh, he's resurrected Zeb. Oh, shit. I know, right? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> he resurrected Zeb. I'm just Good like. God. Yeah. I was like, the, the most notorious fleet commander I have ever fucking met. Like. Holy oh, shit. Uh, Sar Sarian? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Zeb is his um, uh, pyromaniac slash explosomaniac uh, Jawa. Yep. Oh my yep. god. Okay. Yeah, so he, he resurrected him for this one. Um, I, don't, I don't think that any D&D &D world is ready for Sarian just about yet, I think. No. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, he but, was fucking good, though. Anyways. Um, do we have any other uh, games or anything like that that we want to talk about real quick before we uh, wrap up the podcast? Um, one game that I think that is a good companion to D&D that everybody should get, which actually is a good companion because it was made for D&D, &D, uh, is Three Dragon Ante. 
Um, it is basically poker except with dragons and other type cards. It's fucking great. I will get you one more on top of that, actually. It's called Red Dragon Inn. And so the premise of this game, and actually Tony would probably love the fuck out of this game, but you're effectively a party. Like, everyone at the table is a party that has just finished looting a dungeon and is going to the Red Dragon Inn to drink and celebrate. Yeah. Here's the, here's the fun part. Depending on what character you draw and everything like that, you have a alcoholism scale and you have your health. And <laughs> if the alcoholism oh, and health no. touch each other, you pass out. So there are three ways that you can lose. You can either run out of money due to gambling and you get kicked out because you can't afford to stay at the Red Dragon anymore. You can get so drunk that you're passed out. Or you can get knocked the fuck out. And so all of these are possible in the Red Dragon Inn. And I have I have it, Tony, so it's here. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun to play. scale based <clears throat> off of real life? No. Because oh. otherwise there are some people that I know that would be immortal. And that's not fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I do think um, I do think that that's a good one. Doctor Ghoul mentioned a third of these listed games I've never heard of. And what about Secret Hitler? The fuck? So Secret Hitler is basically <laughs> a game where I love it. Uh, it's so funny. The you are given at random in little little envelopes your faction. Now you are either uh, a part of Hitler's side or the anti-Hitler side. Right, and you don't you don't know what side you're on until you open up your card and you see what you are. Whether you are a fascist or I think it's a socialist. What is the other one? A fascist uh, or I don't know what the other. I can't remember. I forgot what the other one was. But you're one or the other, right? And the thing is, is that uh, no one knows who Hitler is because there is a Hitler card, and like the fascist. Um, and they that is the fascist. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to use social deception to pass laws on either side. So you have a board that's a rectangle, and it starts in the middle, and you have either the, the five tiers of blue or the five tiers of red. And as these different policies are enacted, like you're like, holy shit, if all of the Hitler side policies go into effect, they win. If all of the other side's uh, policies get approved, they win. And it gets to the point where it's not its not at all. I mean, some of it is about the different uh, tiles that are in play, because there are more fascist policies in the deck than there are uh, the good guy policies. But it's engineered to where it is a purely social deception game, and it is a fuck ton of fun to play. Do so, you know, there's a, there's a variation of that game that you can play. Hmm? Do you know what it's called? No. Secret Palpatine. Oh my god, I love it. I know, right? <laughs> oh my god. Is there actually... Hold on. I want to see if Secret Palpatine is like an actual board, too. I'm pretty sure it is. I could be wrong. I, I'm looking right now to see if it exists, because that would be a game that I would buy. Like, not just... It might just be Tabletop Simulator, though. That's the other Yeah, thing. I think I see it as just so. a simulator. Um, but if that's the case, like, fuck it. I, I'm pretty sure Taylor would just be able to make a board and all of the different tokens for Secret Palpatine. Like, that would be amazing. 
Uh, let's see. Do we get brown shirts and thuggery? I mean, maybe. But um, unless we have any other games or anything like that, I think that's where we're going to be for the podcast tonight. What do you guys think? Yes? No? Sounds anything good to me. Else? I think we had a good run. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, then I'm going to do some housekeeping real quick, by the way, podcast. Number one, thank you all for listening and joining with us and letting other people know that we exist. Um, If I can really just, you know, make a request to you, it's that, you know, we don't have the ability to grow unless we have you uh, giving us your feedback and your ratings on either iTunes or Spotify or Google or all of the places that we're located. All of that, it's not for us. It just helps us grow. And the more that we grow, the more that we're able to do things for children. And so there is that. Uh, Next week, I do believe we are going to be doing the food fight that we've been eagerly anticipating for a minute. For those of you who have been paying attention and been with us on stream, you will know it as the dumpling dumpling part two. Uh, For those of you who will be your first experience dealing with the true raucous nature of the morons and myself, Uh, you may just refer to it as the great food fight because we're going to be getting into it on different food combinations, whether it's pineapple on pizza, whether it is, you know, all of these different food combinations that exist that people either love or hate, as well as Tony defending the idea that everything in existence is a dumpling. So until next time stream, when we, uh, when we get into that, I hope you all have a wonderful time. Take care podcast. And of course, from all of us to you podcast. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.